0: You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance.
1: everybody and welcome to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body.io FM. I'm your host, Alex Navarro. And in-house today, we have Kristen, one of the Body.io coaches. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great.
1: Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Very excited to have you in studio. I don't get too many um, in-studio guests, so it's always nice to have someone else in the room with me.
0: Yeah, this is very exciting. We're taking advantage of my new stay up here in the in the uh, northern California area.
1: I know. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. you. You you picked a good time because I think like the weather's not too crazy. You really get the like fall experience.
0: Yeah I'm in love. I'm loving the fall out- outerwear that I don't normally get to wear in San Diego. The coats. Mm-hmm. and all the winter wear, <laughs> I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of this weather and I'm just going to buy a whole new wardrobe, right not? You know, I'm justifying the situation. There you so go. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it.
1: I I completely agree. Yeah. Lots of layers. It's kind it's of fun. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, today uh, we're going to be doing a and a So I asked on our Facebook page. For questions, uh, if people had general questions about the protocols or uh, just anything that came up, and we got a nice list, so we're just going to run through most of them today, and hopefully give you guys some answers. So we'll be switching off. Okay. Mm-hmm. And let's see. The first question is regarding saunas and the the hot cold therapy, mm-hmm. contrast therapy, and we talked a little bit about this. Right. And you had mentioned having a little bit of experience.
0: Yeah, well, I I personally have not ex- experienced it myself, but I know people who have and swear by the method. Um, I personally just don't feel, I just, I can't get into really, really cold water to be quite honest <laughs> with me. That just sounds horrible. But, you know, the, to to transfer from the hot into the cold has been very therapeutic. And some, you know, I work out in a gym where people, are lifting a lot of weight and it's a bodybuilding gym and some people have gone more into the functional side of things after doing years of that so you have a huge scope of different you know people with different needs and now some of these guys are starting to do that and and they're trying to get me on the bandwagon but um, I honestly personally have not experienced that but mm-hmm. in what I've experienced it is beneficial um to to a lot of things but it's it's basically a therapeutic way and it you know to Basically just, it's, it's similar to yoga or something, you know, where you're just kind of, the fascia is releasing, um, you're lubricating everything, and it's, it's the extremities. I'm, I'm not going to speak about the science of it because I, I don't want to go there and I don't know it, but that's just what I've heard. Mm-hmm. So. And this
1: was specifically in regards to going into a hot sauna, sitting for a while, and then either jumping in a cold shower yes. or even like an ice bath. Yes. But having that extreme temperature contrast yes. um, for the purpose of uh, muscle repair, yeah. opening things up. Right. And um, I haven't experienced the sauna portion, but I've definitely gotten body work sessions, oh. which then followed with uh, an ice bath, or at least that's what was recommended to me. <laughs> um, it's not <laughs>
0: So you didn't do the ice bath either?
1: I did. I did <laughs> yeah, it twice. Did it. Okay. The first time, um, I remember I got most of my... Uh, lower body. It was just lower body body work. And this was actually back in my running days when I was oh. doing overdoing the cardio. Yes. And I was having a lot of IT band issues. So I was okay. feeling a lot of pressure in my knees and got some body work. And by the end, she was like, you know, you're, you're probably going to want to uh, get some of this inflammation down. So I definitely recommend an ice bath. And I'm thinking like, this is not sound fun at right. all <laughs> and so what um, I did is I actually got like a big sweatshirt and put that around my upper body and then got just just enough cold icy water okay into the bath okay and I set the timer and I just like <laughs> waited and I remember watching the timer go by hoping I could get out because it was uh intense yeah intense.
0: and so so you only did it twice yes okay and that was enough that was enough <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> did you and you reap the benefits though yeah I, f- I actually felt because I had
1: gotten body work sessions done before okay. when where I didn't follow with something like that. Right. Um, and I was definitely, like, sore the next day, a little achy. Um, things, you know, the, the range of motion was better because mm-hmm. of it. But the sort of the recovery was a little bit longer than when I did the ice bath. Got it. Like, it pretty much
0: calmed it down right away. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that would seem beneficial. Maybe something that's, you know, when you're doing that running and you're having that chronic, you know, intense stress on the body mm-hmm. that 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 would seem beneficial be yeah the appropriate thing yeah okay he's, uh, great next question so can you please clarify the whole cream in am coffee and why it is chosen over black coffee other than for taste does it play any hormonal benefit and is it related to fasting over 12 hours causing an adrenaline response which would impact training so they're acting. They're they're asking if it would cause an actual adrenaline response, and if that's if that's why you are actually putting the the, the cream in the coffee.
1: Mm-hmm. There was a recently, well, not recently, maybe a earlier this year or the, some point last year. There was a research review that Dr. Rocky and Kiefer did on the difference between including cream in your coffee versus butter. And I believe it was something in regards to the the bulletproof coffee conversation Mm -hmm. as to whether one one was better than the other. So um, in terms of the question that was regarding the research around it, we will include the link to that podcast episode for you guys to listen to um, if you just want to get a little bit more information about that, the, the hormonal benefits. But we'll also speak a little bit to our own experiences in terms of why we include it, the benefits we find from it.
0: Mm -hmm. So Alex, let me ask you, so what are you, what do you do every morning? Do you normally have cream? Do you not have cream? When do you choose to have cream if you do? I
1: do include cream in my coffee. Um, I usually, well, at this point, I kind of, I take my T3 as soon as I wake up, T3 fuel, and then I wait about a half an hour or so. It's usually enough time for me to make my coffee. (laughs) just (laughs) the timing works out perfect. And then (laughs) I usually will do uh, one to two tablespoons of heavy cream. And, I mean, that's something that I started when I first started Carb Night back in Mm -hmm. 2010. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that I started doing and realized just how amazing it made the coffee. Right, the flavor. (laughs) I can't go back to half and half. It's just Mm -hmm. not the same. So at this point, yes, there is a a functional purpose. It does... um, prolong my, my first meal a little bit, depending on the day. Um, but again, there's a little bit of inconsistency there with my fasting window, because mm-hmm. it might depend on how late I ate the night before. Um, but I do pretty much every morning have my coffee with my cream. Um, it's pretty rare that I would skip that unless I decided to do a, a, an AM workout. But I'm usually an afternoon lifter. So,
0: Right. So I, I'm an AM workout type Of person, I that's that's always when I work out. I like, I don't, you know, I applaud those of you that work out in the <laughs> afternoon, but by then I'm mentally exhausted. So I will go off and on uh, of the cream. Um, more though than often, I do include the cream in my coffee. But if I'm maybe trying to get into those leaner digits and, and really trying to lean out, I may not include the cream prior to my training, mm-hmm. and I'll do take the T3 to fuel. And then I'll do the coffee and then go and do my training routine. And then right afterwards, I'll end up doing the, the carb shock. Not right, but within the 45 to an hour window, I'll mm-hmm. do the carb shock. So that is when I don't use the cream. However, right now with my current situation, I'm not prepping for anything necessarily. And I am just so busy that, and I find this with a lot of my clients too, is a lot of the my clients they they they're not hungry till 10 or 11 that's Mm -hmm. just how it is but for females it's been shown that you know to go so long as as you know has previously been discussed before is not necessarily the best idea so to get something in is better than nothing so for me it just it holds me till 10 or 11 and then I sit down and I have my breakfast or I don't really sit down I actually kind of (laughs) eat between work and (laughs) which is not you know not really necessarily the best thing to do but you got to do what you got to do. So exactly. at least you're getting some kind of a nutritional benefit in the morning to it. Right.
1: Right. At that point, you're you're breaking the fast. hmm mm-hmm. Exactly. And we'll be sure to include that link to the podcast in there for you guys. Uh, the next question is, I'd love to hear your thoughts on your experiences with falling off the wagon or binge eating responses um, or binge eating episodes resulting from an all or nothing mentality and uh do you have do you offer any strategies for times of slipping up?
0: Hmm. I think we I think there's a lot of strategies, but yeah, I, I think you've all been
1: there at some point we've or You've all another. <laughs> been there
0: at one point, but I think originally you had told me Alex about uh certain people that inquire that may not first of all may not even be appropriate for this. That's the first question, right?
1: Is, right. Yeah. If, if somebody has Uh, a disordered eating history, Um, you know, if they were prone to sort of having binging episodes, carb night might not be the best option. Um, It just, it can reinforce those habits, making it harder to just have your carb night and then not continue that uh, sort of binge response following the carb night, which could then lead into, you know, days or weeks or I'm sure every situation is different, but if you feel like that tendency might be there, carb night might not be the best option for you to start. Um, it might, and, but then again, you could go at it and have more of a structured carb night. And those are definitely strategies that I've offered clients before who perhaps did have those disordered eating patterns, but they feel like they've got things under control enough to where they want to try to make it work to their advantage. Mm-hmm. And I think going in and having some strategies, guidelines, or structure around your carb night can make, it, make you less likely to fall off the wagon. Um, a few things that I found that work well, especially for the ladies, is keep the carbs pretty savory mm-hmm. throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that if you start with sweet, the first little mini meal or snack is something sweet. Uh, for me personally, I tend to just want sweet the rest of the night. So if I keep things savory mm-hmm. earlier and save if I do have, like, a dessert or something sweet, I try to save that for right before I go to bed.
0: Right. That's pretty much what I uh, what I recommend often as well. Maybe the first bike might be a little bit more on the sweeter side. Um, but as far as the first females, yes, you definitely want those savory carbohydrates. And then, you know, the same. It's because it's we... We do. I mean, we all go through that. We have that that sugar, and it's like an addiction. So if you know you are prone to those things, that's a great tip: mm-hmm. is maybe not start with something sh- you know that sweet off the bat. Um, but as far as falling off the wagon, uh, I think this goes for any diet. I think this is something you know. I work a lot with um, behavior modification therapy, and and get to do a lot of groups with people, and and what I do, and it's everyone, no matter what diet you are, you're always more often going to fall off the wagon so how how do you cope with that what is a strategy and um so w- what I look at is it this is and we've talked about this often is it's a lifestyle mm-hmm. it's going to happen you just have to this is it's a whole it's for the rest of your life it's not for 2 weeks or 3 weeks and so just by coping with that and having that as a coping mechanism like you'll understand that too you know it takes So many days to create a habit, but once you create that habit and once you start going through a week or two, if you fall off and you get right back on, you're going to get right back on because of the way you feel Mm -hmm. and the way you've noticed for the long run, because it's a consistency, just like with working out. And I I know when I first, you know, let's say, I don't know, I'm not going to put a date on it, but when I first started (laughs) getting into training, you know, I thought I always had to be perfect Mm -hmm. and I would go through those cycles. I would. And um, this, this diet has helped me a lot because it's taught me more about food quality Mm -hmm. and, and those things. And, and luckily, you know, you start to learn your body where you get comfortable enough. You kind of, it's a pendulum, right? The pendulum is going to swing from the right to the left. You're going to be very extreme. Back and forth, back and forth. But then you get to a point where it doesn't just swing so much. Mm-hmm. It might swing a little here, and it might swings a little there. But I think that just comes from experience. I think that comes from um, trial and error. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if if you agree with any of these points yeah. or if you can add to that. But I think you just have to give yourself time. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed completely. And that
1: I definitely experienced that early on when I first started carbonate. Mm-hmm. You know, I had come off of a very strict old school bodybuilding diet where, you know, sweets were never allowed. Um, I pretty much cut out dairy. I mean, I was very eating very, very lean and clean. Mm-hmm. So the idea of having a carbonate was of course very exciting. Mm-hmm. And I thoroughly took advantage of my first several carbonates <gasps> to the point where probably made myself a little bit sick. Um, because I again I was I d I wasn't used to having I had that all or nothing mentality and I saw it as, okay, I haven't been able to have any treats for like months Uh and now I have this opportunity to pretty much eat whatever I want. (laughs) So I'm going to like really eat whatever I want and as much as I possibly can, which, you know, I did quite a few times, but each time I did learn something from it.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: A, it was like, was that worth it to feel a little sick and uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Um, I actually remember one of the, the second time, I think it was my second carb night ever, uh, I actually had a date planned and I figured, oh, this is a great opportunity oh, yeah. to like go out on a <laughs> date great. and I can eat what I want and I don't have to worry about sounding weird like, oh, I can only eat this. because you know? It was <laughs> like a min- first intro. date <laughs> right? and we... I just went to town. I mean, Uh I don't even remember the date. All I remember is the food. (laughs) food. And then being towards the end of the night, like feeling so uncomfortably full Mm -hmm. that I couldn't hold a conversation because I was starting to get really sleepy. Uh Like I was uncomfortable. And at that point I'm like, okay, probably overdid it. But again, trial and error. You're not going to (laughs) know until you experience it. I only did that a few times and then realized, (laughs) okay, totally not worth it. And carbonate will come. Up again. This isn't my only opportunity. And that's just having that conversation with myself. Um, I also had a few little tricks and strategies that I would do. So I would keep a notepad on the fridge and during the week, if I there was something I was craving, I would write it on the list. Mm. And the list was titled What I Can Eat on Carbonate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so during the week I would just add to the list and it was really interesting to see like the things that I was craving throughout the week. Right. Um, depending on how I was feeling or like yeah. if I was dealing with stress, just good to see like the patterns. Yeah. And then the night before carb night or the morning of, I would consult the list and I would choose the things that I really wanted. Because a lot of the things on the list weren't actually things come carb night that I wanted. Oh, I wanted. yeah. Which geez. was really interesting mm-hmm. to see. It was like, okay, well, why was I craving mm-hmm. these like really random things? So those were a couple strategies I used.
0: And speaking of not to go off on a tangent but cravings and it does it does pertain to the question. I think after you do this after so long, I was discussing with you before that I really don't get cravings. Mm-hmm. You know, I see sweet things often and they look delicious and I, could be quite honest, I've been carrying um, a slice of cake in my bag uh, <laughs> because someone gave it to me the other day and it's in Tupperware and I really wanted to try it, but it was not my carb night. And so I look at it, you know, of course, that looks delicious, but I wasn't craving the cake. Mm-hmm. I didn't want the cake in the first place. And now that I see it, I want it. But but now I'm more in control of those cravings. So this this particular protocol has really helped with that, mm-hmm. and adi- identifying those things. And so when you look at that list, you know, and I wonder, do you find that also while you're doing carb night, it will change, kind of what you want that yes. night? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. I might go into it wanting one thing, and then yeah, I'm
0: like, oh, I actually wasn't.
1: And I've redone carb nights. Like I've purchased like a whole set of cookies and then got home and then started eating them and realized that's not what (laughs) i wanted wanted. (laughs) and i was like we have to go back out and get something else right the night's not over and i don't want the cookies anymore (laughs) (laughs) right
0: you know and and before with carb night so when people come to us for coaching it's different because they've already done quite a few carb nights and we help them get a better grasp of what an ideal carb night should look like for them um However, some of my clients that had never done carb night, I will be honest, and I sometimes they'll ask me like, well, what do I do? And I kind of says, oh, you know what? Just, just eat what you want. You know, I, I give them a few pointers, <laughs> but I personally want them to see how they feel the next day after mm-hmm. carb night when they go and how sick it makes them feel if they don't do it properly. And then I have a discussion about this is why we're not going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. I know that's really mean. But, you know, I wanted I wanted them to go through the emotion of what it felt like Mm -hmm. to have a a horrible carb night. And then (laughs) after the fact, I'm like, all right, here, here's how you clean it up. It's like it's like
1: throwing the the baby bird out of the nest. Like, go see what happens. And then we'll talk about how to fly when you get down yep. to the bottom. <laughs> I like it.
0: <laughs> you know, what's one week, one week or two? They'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> but it's true, you know, and even if we were to give advice, like they're always going to be rough, rough guidelines. Yes. And yes. It, it, the, the client or the individual has to take it upon themselves to just experiment mm-hmm. and make the best decision that they can. And it it is a learning process. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the best, I mean, when it does come to, Falling off the wagon or perhaps having multiple carb nights in a row. Just if that does happen, pay attention to why. Look at some potential factors that could be contributing to, you know, your need or desire to turn to food Mm -hmm. for whatever a coping mechanism. You know, maybe you're stressed out. Maybe you're tired. Um, Maybe there are cravings, hormonal things going on. But just paying attention to those behaviors, acknowledging them, and then moving on.
0: Absolutely.
1: just pick up where you left off plain mm-hmm. and simple yep um now there was an additional part to this question and it was regarding the basically calories um this person individual was talking about certain low carb experts not willing to, not willing to talk about the issues around excess calorie intake um, and then they create a lot of arguments for not eating too many nuts um because people tend to overeat them and I think you know, that's something that we've talked about in other podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. That when it comes to fat loss or body composition changes, calories are going to matter.
0: Yep, they're, going
1: to matter. they're definitely going to matter. Um, and
0: and I think the question there is, and and what if I'm looking at the question correctly, and what he's uh, or he or she is asking, um, I think it's it's you know there's a lot of people out there that are on this low carb, right? You're, you know, you have different lifestyles and you have people with different little niche here and there. Um, but I think a good spin. So if you're someone who supports a low carb lifestyle, it sounds great to say calories don't matter. Come to our side, <laughs> come to the low carb dieting because calories don't matter. You could eat what you want. Doesn't that sound really, really enticing. So I think some of these experts are, are, Saying calories don't matter because they want people to follow their protocols, mm-hmm. and um, another thing is they will shift the focus, right? So they will shift the focus. Well, it's the nuts that you're eating, or it's this, or it's that. Which, which, yes, is true to an extent, mm-hmm. but not to say that it's also the calories is right. is I think what this he's asking, and so yes, it's an issue, and it's it's definitely something that people need to be aware of. Right. So. Because overeating is
1: overeating, mm-hmm. and there 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 is a, a point where we just don't need as many calories or a quantity of food right. in order to either maintain or lose. And what's what's interesting, too, is when it comes to losing, a, a deficit of some level is going to be needed. Mm-hmm. But I've seen a lot of clients actually what I would consider overeating, but didn't gain weight. Mm-hmm. That actually ha- that, um, happens quite often, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes when you like reverse people, reverse tie people back up, that mm-hmm. I find that often. And I, I think in me, I, sometimes it's it's interesting with with myself because I can get away with a lot sometimes. Uh-huh. And I am very surprised at what does not happen. <laughs> <laughs> very surprised. I should be three hundred pounds at this point. Sometimes I feel, but you know, it could only go so long. But um. You know, I I I eat definitely over maintenance, and yet I'm able to maintain mm-hmm. my yep. weight. Well, I think
1: this uh, this next question kind of ties right in.
0: If you want to, so what is a recommended amount of time to cycle off of carb night before resuming it again? So you want to go ahead and
1: yeah. Well, I think this question might come from someone who perhaps just read the book um or Mm -hmm. has only read the book and perhaps not not listened to any or just a few of the podcast episodes but it's something we've talked about before and it you know more research shows that this can be a lifestyle Mm -hmm. and in fact for a lot of people it is It, it has been for myself for the past five or so years and uh Originally, that's what was stated in the book is you give it six months and then you'll want to get off. And the idea behind that was just that our bodies will find a way to adapt to whatever we do. Mm-hmm. And there will be a point where we're going to need to mix it up, throw in enough randomness uh, to throw our bodies off. But that doesn't mean that we need to get off completely. There could be a time and a place to actually take a break. Um, if I feel like that's appropriate for a client or myself, I try to encourage people. Uh, conveniently scheduling that Mm -hmm. for like a vacation Mm -hmm. or the holidays or some event that's coming up, you want to take a break and you have a barbecue to go to and it's an all day event. That's a great opportunity to take the day and eat what you want. Mm -hmm. And that honestly could be enough of a break Mm -hmm. for you to pick up the next day and continue to see progress. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And for example, there are times in my, I'm a big Foodie. I love food. <laughs> and before my move, I wanted to make sure that I hit up all the restaurants in San Diego, knowing that I wouldn't be able to go back to visit them. So I just made it basically a carb backloading month. Mm-hmm. And again, I was surprised to see that obviously it wasn't as tight as I normally would be or not, you know, but I was surprised to see that I completely didn't go to the other side and that I was able to jump right back on carb night relatively very easy i was kind of missing it to be quite honest you know i was missing mm-hmm. how being lower carb most of the time makes me feel overall i agree so, i had that experience on vacation yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i was like oh I, I miss that because i feel like when i do carb night i do have less cravings and back you know car back and so mm-hmm. back to that whole falling off you know the wagon it can we can tie that into that as well
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i i deba- the when I had gone on vacation about a month or so ago I basically just did the vacation protocol which Mm -hmm. um, if I can find the the link for that video you can add that in there as well because there is a question regarding that Mm -hmm. um for I think one of the questions was to temporarily do a backloading
0: right so yeah I'll go ahead and just so the following question which ties into this Perfectly. Is is there such thing as a short-term carb backloading? I'm going on vacation with my family in the spring and might want to relax my habits for a week. So they're just wondering what the best strategy would be.
1: And I would just say, you know, do your your normal morning routine, which for most people is, you know, having your coffee and your cream. And you could even fast up until lunchtime, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the individual. I there were a couple of days during my vacation where I kept lunch low carb, and then had whatever I wanted pretty much in the evening time but there were two days where i also had carbs with lunch Mm -hmm. um you know just a small amount and my the only rules i set for not rules but guidelines i set for myself was to choose things that i don't normally have Mm -hmm. and choose things that might be uh you know like the area's specialty. Oh yeah. Something that a I could local. only get mm-hmm. where I was. Um Absolutely. so that I could experience it and just be able to enjoy the vacation and you know where we were. So mm-hmm. I didn't choose things if it's something that I could get at home like a sandwich. Uh eh, I'm not really Whoa. a big sandwich person. So mm-hmm. those two instances I kept my lunch low carb because it right. just none of the options sounded good to me. Yeah. And that's pretty much how I played it. Yeah. And it worked really well. Um, the only thing that I did notice was if I didn't get enough protein in which was a little bit harder when I did choose some of the carbier choices is I felt my blood sugar levels drop Mm -hmm. and I hadn't really experienced too many like blood sugar crashes or like hangry episodes in a long time Mm -hmm. and I did experience that Mm -hmm. during that week Mm -hmm. I think I just wasn't used to it Mm -hmm. and like an hour later I'm like I'm so hungry
0: oh yeah
1: yeah (laughs) I was like okay there wasn't you know that that meal wasn't. Usually, it turned out it wasn't enough protein. When I have a little bit more protein in my carbs, I tend to uh, feel a little bit better.
0: Yeah, that definitely helps. So, I mean, this is the, like these two protocols are perfect for for if you are going on vacation. And I actually I've had a lot of clients do the vacation protocol actually, and I have yet to have one person say, "Oh my gosh, it was horrible. It didn't work for me." Mm-hmm. Most people come back from vacation like, "Well, what do you know." Look at me. I didn't blow up. I followed the vacation protocol or some people say, wow, that heavy cream really holds you over. You know, they start to experience those things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yes, go to the link. I really recommend that. that, That's a great video. And I use it. My clients have used it and works pretty well.
1: Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's, you know, kind of going back to the question before about cycling carbonate, Mm -hmm. you know, that can be a great reset. Mm hmm. Um, sometimes when people do vacation protocol or take a little break and then they get back on it, usually their progress picks right back up. And sometimes it's faster than it was before because yeah. you hormonally, you just needed that little bit of a reset. And yeah. that's something, a technique I use for competitors also. Okay. When they come off of a show, you know, they've been doing very strict carb night leading up to the show for the week after, especially if they have another show on the horizon, we want to make sure their metabolism is super revved up. So mm-hmm. that week post-show, they're backloading. Mm-hmm. And that way when it's time to get back on carb night, their body's ready and things just move along.
0: Yeah. So it's a great way to use it to your advantage. Yep. Okay. All right. So the next question we have is they want to see – someone would like to see a discussion on how to make CNS and CBL work with endurance training. So we've had this question before. Mm-hmm. Um I know you're all about lifting, they say, you know, and, and that's what we, we really promote here, what we're what we looking to focus on. But there are people out there who are endurance athletes. So this individual wants to figure out how to make this work and, you know, is it trial and error or is, have any of us experienced, you know, training people with, with this mm-hmm. protocol and doing that? Because this person's been experimenting for long enough that it can be done, but hints from others would be very appreciated. Mm-hmm. Well, I
1: think the context is is important here, too, because there's a lot of different endurance activities, different endurance sports uh, that we could talk about. And depending on what they are, it might require a slightly different protocol. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, are we talking about triathlons? Are you, is your activities, you know, lasting all day long? You know, what is the training like? Are we talking about specific endurance events, like how to prep for the one day's event or all the training sessions leading up to those events as well mm-hmm. um so you know context is important here mm-hmm. and you you mentioned having worked with yeah worked with y- you know
0: um actually i had a former professor of mine that i introduced to car backloading yes. yeah he loves it he is uh he loves to do those spartan races like the ultra ones the mm-hmm. ones where you do well now he's does he does the four-hour ones, and then, you know, they go up in mileage or whatever. And he even does, like, the 24-hour ones. Well, yeah. Um. So what we've done with well – what first, you know, I had him experimenting a little bit with a little, little bit of coconut oil in between, but that's hard to carry and hard to package. And so we just started using those baby food. So what we would do – so basically, he would deplete his glycogen stores, and we'd have him do, you know, a carb backload. And then the next day, fasted. He would start the event, and then after an hour and a half to two hours, after he started feeling like he needed energy, we would do the baby food packets of mm-hmm. um, what. And I, I, tell everybody if you want to try this, try different things because sometimes when you're working at that intensity, digestion's an issue, mm-hmm. and some people digest things differently. So you know, applesauce, um, even sweet potato uh different different baby foods and see what you like banana they all they all come in different things but the natural ones that that don't have you know too many additives in them mm-hmm. are usually pretty easy on the tummy and you might want to play with that but that worked out great for him and he really liked that
1: and the, i mean they they'll the, all of those are readily available mm-hmm. carbs and glucose at that point yeah. so yeah. if he's in the in the midst of the event so were there a certain amount of days that he went low carb before filling up the night before the event
0: so he Did had done yeah he, he usually does carp backloading he prefers that method um and so he had done just two days of of low carb with training and then i think one day off and then we had him do the backload and mm-hmm. do a little more than he normally would you know i'm gonna quote super compensation or whatever <laughs> you know so he was ready to go and so that's that's the protocol that we took and sometimes too, when I have some athletes that have some kind of event like that, they often ask me because they'll, they'll do those, you know, it's, we don't necessarily promote those type of events here, but people do them. It's a fact. Yeah. And so, you know, if you want to go out and you're, you're, you're doing a Spartan race or a, I don't know, what are the other ones? Some kind well, of. Well, I mean, just even running a marathon. Running a marathon. yeah. Uh,
1: and, that, and that's, I believe that's something that, that Kiefer has talked about in right. the past. Uh, with uh helping a marathon runner, and she was able to do, she pretty much just followed carb night mm-hmm. and, you know, did her normal week, had a carb night, and actually did the, the full marathon with only drinking water because mm-hmm. she basically filled herself up enough to where that fuel was just readily available, and she didn't need any extra along the way. And, and it probably will be different for men versus women, too. So mm-hmm. not only is the context of the activity important, but each individual.
0: Mm-hmm mm mm-hmm. yeah great so uh, this question is, is there any research on protein supplements absorption compared to foods? so there has been a lot of research on this uh you know you can look into it, but th- there there's something called the i want to give the the complete amino acid score, so it's basically a score in which. They score the protein based off the absorption that the, that the body can handle. So it's looking at that and how. And whey is one of the number one mm-hmm. quickly absorbed protein supplements. And, yes, it is qu- quicker than, than most foods. So you can actually go and, and look into that and find different scores for different foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, you know, it, it sometimes there's also studies with whey versus casein and, and what what's right digested faster or slower so casein is indeed not as fast as whey but sometimes people have intolerances where they can't handle whey and so those are other things that you have to look into so mm-hmm. i don't know if you want to elaborate on any of that but
1: um well i think just more of the context of the question it's like mm-hmm. when is the are you regard is a question regarding post-workout you we know, a protein taking a protein powder supplement versus eating a uh, actual food Mm post-workout so i'm a little just to to clarify what the question could be asking um if you know if you're looking for a very uh, highly accessible protein post-workout for recovery Mm -hmm. then whey is definitely at the top of the list if we're talking about just a protein supplement as like a meal replacement then for the purposes of, I mean, again, the co- the context of the meal, even at that point, like what else is in the meal? Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a right. meal replacement, you know, whey might not be the best option. Right. Um, a more slow slower digesting protein, even like a beef protein. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for a supplement, other ones. Otherwise, at that point, I would say real whole foods yeah. would be the best option. Yeah. Um, there are instances where I might do something like the accelerator shake in the morning. Where I'll do a cup of coffee with a tablespoon or two of the heavy cream and about ten grams of whey, and I'll do that sometimes if my schedule doesn't won't allow for like a an earlier lunch. Mm-hmm. So if I feel like I have to push my first meal back um, and I don't want to go too long without food, I might do that shake, mm-hmm. and that would be an appropriate time. But I keep it on uh, about ten grams or less, right? Uh, just to avoid any potential insulin spike,
0: right? And we've. And I we've discussed this before, but just to remind people that, you know, getting getting food mm-hmm. as your source of protein is the best option. However, just, you know, when is, the, when is a protein shake appropriate is right. going to be your post-workout. So, uh, and I see that often. I see a lot of clients come and they're drinking protein all day long, mm-hmm. protein shakes. And it's just, it's not the... It's not ideal. Yeah. It's, it's not, not ideal.
1: ideal. It's, it's uh, convenient. Um, and if you're in a pinch, I think it's better than not eating. Um, but I'd always prefer real food over mm-hmm. drinking my
0: calories. <laughs> Absolutely, me too. All right. So this person has been doing CNS since April, and they've lost twenty two pounds. Congratulations! Yay! That's exciting. But they haven't experienced. They have experienced some hair loss. So what do you recommend? This is interesting. Um, I have seen this in some individuals. They'll get some hair loss or some dry, patchy skin. And what it could be, I'm not saying it is, but it could be your omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. So you're going to have a lot of arachidonic acid buildup. And so sometimes that, you know, that's the inflammatory process. And your body could res- be responding to that. So with this diet, we are taking in a lot of omega six. So just as a reminder, it's very important to make sure. And I personally don't. I don't eat fish. I know it's horrible. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't stomach fish. I don't. Well, that's
1: right. Eat- I remember we talked about sushi before. <laughs> oh,
0: I know it's awful. <sighs> Yeah, uh, so sorry. I just I know it's sad because it's it's I call it my genetic flaw. Um, there are many, but that's that's one of them. So I have to get I have to take a supplement. I have to take the omega three. Um, but you know historically in populations such as the Inuit population, they had a one to four one to two ratio, which met your omega six versus your omega three consumption. And so you know they were eating a lot of seafood, mm-hmm. and. Now, as Western culture, we're not eating those omega threes as um, as much. Uh, So now it's I think it's something like twenty to one is the what the average American maybe twenty two to one consumes um, of omega six. And also just to add to that, you have to be very careful about your oils again too, because omega six are going to come from your vegetable oils. So remember, we're not when when you're looking at oils, you want to stay away from a lot of those vegetable oils. So olive oil is okay on your salads here and there avocado oil high tea your your, your butter fat and all those that we've discussed before but i see oftentimes like people will do things like mayonnaise and they won't make their own and it's actually being made with some kind of vegetable oil mm-hmm. and they're eating quite a lot of it so it's just those little things to look out for and and that that may or may not help with this but that's something that i that that could be one thing, um, mm-hmm. Alex. I know you had also mentioned something else before too. With um, was it the? I remember you were talking about there was a supplement that you were taking possibly for it. Remember, was it was like biotin or something. That you were yes, yes, the biotin. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I originally and, started taking it for my nails. Okay, because I heard that it, it makes them strong and right. I have a thing about having my nails be nice all the time, probably because. <laughs> The, my palms look all like beat up from uh, my lifting, so the I feel like I need some, some girliness in there. So I like to keep my nails long, I feel <laughs> and you. painted. I feel yeah, <laughs> tomboy with nice painted nails. um So, but yeah, I did experiment with you know different strengtheners, and as a result, anything pretty much that is going to be good for your nails and your skin is also going to be good for your hair. Right. and um, that seemed to work really well. I also did notice. But even with the the T three fuel, I noticed mm-hmm. a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Also, in just a lot of new growth mm-hmm. in my hair. Mm. You know, I saw the little baby hair sticking up all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> go dry my hair, and I like it's all these like tiny little hairs sticking up. I'm like, oh, that's a good sign. I have yeah. a lot of new growth. Yeah, that clearly just happened. Right. Um, because it's all about the same length. So, you know, it could just be that there's a deficiency mm-hmm. of some kind. Um, right. if if there if you aren't over consuming. Right. And the omega sixes.
0: And and you can have lab work done on that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they're not your standard physician won't do that. So those are things that you have to ask for. Mm-hmm. And um but there are little markers that, that you would need to look into to see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. But that could be a few of the the potential things. Okay.
1: I think we have like one or two more questions.
0: Yeah. So let's see. Any chance of giving people not from America the food menu is an Australian equivalent. Oh, that's <laughs> As right. lots of food supplements in your book. You can't get them here. Pretty so, much everything. <laughs> yeah. So this was
1: a question for someone out of the U.S. who was looking for uh, more food choices. You know, we talk about in the podcast and, and probably in the Transforming Recipes books, we mention a lot of ingredients for recipes that perhaps are only available here. And unfortunately... We can't I don't know what's available over there right um, in, in your given country, so I can't really rec- recommend suitable replacements, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll just be a, a personal thing where you're gonna have to poke around and do a little bit of research on your own um, or look online. I mean, I know that a lot of things you can purchase on Amazon if you're willing to pay the shipping at that point. Um, but Vitacost is great too, uh, and I believe it ships uh, internationally as well. Mm-hmm. But you can buy a lot of things there and perhaps find them in bulk um, or at least get, you know, maybe one round of it and then use uh, some time to search around your local area and see what's available to you. But there's too many, re- too many ingredients and products <laughs> that we could go through <laughs> to find suitable replacements for. Oh so gosh, I'm yeah. sorry. Good luck. Oh, sorry. Good luck.
0: We can only do so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And and there's a part B to that. So yeah. also any, any, has any one ever had their cholesterols checked before and after these specific food plans. Um, oh, yes. Oh,
1: yeah. Lots, lots and lots of experience with
0: that. Yes.
1: And you you have, I mean, just in, mm-hmm. in what you do for work.
0: hmm Absolutely. I love looking at labs. Um, so what first people have to understand is the difference between expressing high cholesterol serum and actually having plaque built up because those are two different things. And some people are genetically, if you have the APO3 Apo-3-E, Apo-4-E, if you have all those different genetic expressions, you may j- just be prone to having higher cholesterol in your serum. Which is um, me.
1: I am. And okay. my mom is as well.
0: Right. But what I, th- what's often interesting is people have done tests, where well, they'll go back and they'll actually get a corroded artery scan and find nothing. Absolutely nothing. So the question is, is first of all, how you have to look at that lab result in in the context of it so Mm -hmm. what is this telling me that's that's just telling you that you have cholesterol in your blood right so so if you really want a good good measure and if this is really concerning you that you will have to get something like a corroded artery scan to be able to 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 see is if it's actually having an effect Mm -hmm. um so that's one thing to consider but second um yeah it's actually helped many people with their cholesterol levels uh, especially like I've actually worked with people who, who were very unhealthy, you know, and, and they do this more of, they're not necessarily, they're just doing this for health purposes and not, it's actually helped with not only just their cholesterol, but I've seen liver enzymes mm-hmm. really, really go back to no, within normal limits after doing this protocol. So, and of course, A1C, I've even, you know, all those different measurements. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So overall, and, and you know, obviously it's going to be an individualized thing and, mm-hmm. and, and, also considering what your fat choices are when you're doing the low-carb days because that can make a difference. Um, you know, if you're more prone to being an over-absorber of cholesterol, mm-hmm. you know, choosing uh, more fats along the sides of, like, coconut oil versus more of the animal fats could make a difference. But that's something that each individual would just have to play with a little bit. And having, you know, when you're doing your testing... Give yourself a good time frame mm-hmm. to do, like, your rounds of testing if you are going to continue to test to mm-hmm. see what the difference is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did it every six months and uh, was able to, to gauge it that way and saw improvements if I needed to. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, my good cholesterol was just through the roof. The
0: HDL, yeah. It's, a, the roof. it's the ratio that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. The HDL of the cholesterol ratio is really important. But yeah, my HDL went up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing to consider too is your triglycerides. That's really what you kind of want to look mm-hmm. at. And it drives me crazy when doctors order labs they, oh, and I get them back. I'm like, really? You did a non-triglyceride one, you know? So you see all the so cholesterol. So the numbers levels. just irrelevant, right? Then. I'm like, what? I can't see this person's triglycerides because that that's that's a better measure for me to understand. Like, the second I see crazy triglycerides, it's often, you know. Some kind of there's something usually there's definitely something wrong mm-hmm. there, so
1: yeah,, um, and my older sister was actually able to get off of her high cholesterol meds, oh wow, um after three months of doing carbonate, oh wow, which was a really big deal, yeah, and i and we were That's we were great. concerned that she w- carried that expression as well, which is mm-hmm. being an over absorber, um but she she doesn't, so luckily things improved for her, and I actually recently got an email from a client uh she was doing her check in and She put a little like a little asterisk at the bottom in the email and she says, oh, and I I proved my husband wrong because he thought that by me following this protocol, he was Uh... concerned that my cholesterol was going to go up. And she's like, I got my labs back and everything improved significantly. So she was like, so on top of seeing great progress and results so far, I also got to prove him wrong. (laughs) So she was (laughs) sounded pretty excited about that. (laughs)
0: Right. That is exciting. It was. was like, hey. She was like, "Hey,
1: look, and I look awesome." That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Healthy from the inside out, inside and out. <laughs> yes, great, awesome. And so, uh, well, I think that is
0: that. Is there more? Oh, no, that's it. All right. That's uh,
1: that's the last of the questions that we got this time. So, uh, I think it was a good a good range. Yeah, a good definitely. range of questions. Um, we'll definitely be doing this again because there's. I'm sure there'll be new questions coming up, especially once the the new year hits and everyone starts getting back into their goals and possibly trying to refine things and get things on track. So thank you, Kristen, for joining me. Thanks for having
0: me. It was fun. It was. It was.
1: Hope that was helpful and uh we'll be sure to include all the links to the relevant podcasts and videos that we talked about earlier. So thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Her Body. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.
0: You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengel. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io we'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance